It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Good Saturday morning. Hey, it's going to be chilly today. Can you believe that? If you have heard the weather forecast over the last day or two for this weekend, wow, it's finally fall, ladies and gentlemen. I think as I'm on the air this morning and as the sun starts to rise, the temperatures are going to start dropping. So I think we're going to top out. We're close right now around 72 degrees or so, and then a cold front moves in. So as you're out on the deck or the balcony or the patio having your morning coffee, plan on a sweater or a little blanket. You're actually going to feel the cold front come through. You're going to feel the breeze. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm also excited for Bulldogs football today. Of course, we are hosting the Kentucky Wildcats for homecoming in Athens at Sanford Stadium. All of the pregame coverage right here on your Home of the Dogs begins at 1130 and kick off there in Athens, Clark County at Sanford Stadium at 330. Everything you need right here on 95.5 WSB. So today with me, I have John behind the board, running the music, keeping everything on time. And Scotty B, ladies and gentlemen, screening your calls. Scotty B, give them a taste of what they're going to hear from your wonderful voice when you pick up the phone. Well, good morning, everybody. Hello. Wow. Hello, hello. So you work with Shelly Winter and Word on the Street and uh, answer phones in the evenings, right? Uh, yes, I do. So here you are on a garden show on a Saturday morning. I appreciate it, sir. Why not? Why, why not? <laughs> Us radio people, we're just kind of here, there, and everywhere. Well, good to have you, Scotty B. John, we're going to have a good show today, and I want you to be a part of it. 404 872 is the number to get your call or your question or whatever answered here on Green and Growing. And, of course, I always like people sending me messages on the Green and Growing WSB Facebook page. And people have sent me a lot of questions, actually, recently. And uh, I haven't necessarily had time to get to all of them, but I have gotten to many. When we had Premier Tree Solutions here last Saturday, the guys at ChopMyTree.com, Diana sent me a picture of like a weeping Japanese maple, you know, the little short dwarf kind, and said, you know, all of the tips of the branches are dead and it's starting to look kind of pitiful. Is it a goner? Does it have a fungus? Too much rain? And it's always so hard for us to really tell and diagnose. So I told Diana, I didn't want to be dramatic, but worst case, my guess was going to be tip dieback. And if you look up tip dieback on many trees, it could kill the tree within a year or two. And, you know, that's not necessarily anything we do. Um, so always try to self-diagnose. And I love that she was really observant about exactly the area that the leaves are starting to fall off first. You know, some evergreens, if you're thinking about Leland cypress or something, you have to notice when things defoliate or drop needles. Is it from the bottom up? Is it from the top down? Or, you know, in this case of the the weeping Japanese maple, it's like the crown of the tree. So you really got to make observations like that. Even when the leaves fall, pick one up off the ground, take a look at it. Do the leaves have spots? Have they been chewed by any insect? That kind of thing. Try to self-diagnose as best you can first. And then when you look it up or you call a show like mine or you look at a garden book, you have at least a little bit of an idea, a better idea of the symptoms if you look carefully. 
404-872-0750. So about a month and a half ago, I believe, I was invited to talk to the Henry County Master Gardeners down in McDonough. had a great time with them. And I had some really good notes. Yeah, that was back in September. Had some really good notes about spring flowering bulbs. And of course, now is an ideal time, pretty much now through December, to get that done, to put those bulbs in the ground. I know a lot of landscape companies are going ahead and doing that as well. And the good thing about those is entrances to subdivisions and things like that, they're able to kind of drop in some bulbs. Obviously not, you know, going to grow over what's there now. There's beautiful displays right now of of begonias and coleus and even pansies, starting to see some pansies outside of neighborhoods and office parks and things like that. And I love that. There's so much color. But if you're careful about the way you plant the bulbs, you don't necessarily have to disrupt what's there right now. But putting those in the ground and really having them reward you in the springtime, and it's nice. You're going to kick your feet back and they're going to come up and it's going to look like you're really busy getting those ready and you did everything months in advance. So some of the information that I collected Uh, For this, I did a lot of research with um, publications from the University of Georgia Extension Service. Uh, Joe Lample, our friend Joe Gardner, he had some great information as well. And just different books, Southern Living book that I have and all that kind of stuff to just basically break it down for you into the basics of what you need for spring flowering bulbs when you put them in the ground. And then things maybe not so commonly known, okay? So we'll start with the basic category, right? Spring flowering bulbs consist largely of what we call Dutch bulbs. Planted in the fall, they bloom the following spring. Most spring flowering bulbs are completely hardy here in Georgia. We love that, 7A, 7B. And most prefer light shade to full sun. So really what you're looking for there is 6 to 10 hours. And the good thing about that, though, is... As they start to produce the greenery that we start to see pop up maybe in February, March, if you're talking about daffodils, something like that, most are producing those leaves before trees leaf out. So they are able to get plenty of sun under the canopy of trees. And then, of course, the shade from those trees is going to protect them later in the season. Light requirements for other bulbs, like summer bulbs, those are variable, but we're going to stick with spring flowering just to kind of keep everything there. Um, the leaves, I mean, basically when the leaves are getting that full sun, that's the way for the bulb to recharge. It gives energy back to the bulb. And you always wonder in this time of year, you call and say, well, all the foliage is looking just yellowed, kind of, you know, not, not good. Can I cut it? Really wait until it does start to yellow. Even when the the flower is done, like lilies and things like that, still a lot of green that is still feeding the bulb so once it starts to yellow that's a sure sign of when you go ahead and cut some of that down to the ground now soil temperature 50 to 60 degrees until the ground freezes is the ideal time to plant bulbs so to make it easy on you we know now things are cooling down that puts you in that october through december time frame bulbs need to have Uh, rooted before the ground freezes. And that's interesting if you really think about the science behind how they work. That's why right now soil temperatures as as hot as 60 degrees, but down to 50. Soil not frozen yet. It doesn't freeze too often here in Georgia, but at least all of those roots get established before the ground gets really cold and really hard. And to make sure you've got something viable, if you're looking at bulbs from last year maybe, and you've stored them properly, and you think, okay, now I want to go ahead and plant those. It's got to feel, oh, if it does, if it feels light, if it feels hollow, if it feels papery, brown, or even soft, it's gotten some moisture to it, that's bad. So you want the opposite of all of that. You don't want it to be light, hollow, 
any kind of papery brown or soft, bad, bad for bulbs, throw them out. But the proper way to store them is definitely keeping them dry, no moisture at all, and allowing air movement, right? We don't want to put them in a cooler. We don't want to put them in a container or a drawer uh, on the garden bench. Maybe they do need that air movement, and that'll keep fungus away as well. Once you put them in, water well. That's with anything you plant. Water well after you plant and mulch. That's a garden basic. Anyone's going to tell you mulch is definitely something that you need to just protect, you know, protective layer, kind of an insulated layer for them. And they have to be in well-drained areas. They do not want something that's going to keep them wet because that's going to cause rot. So something that doesn't remain wet and sticky after a heavy rain, and you don't want it to dry out too quickly either. So in the beginning, that watering routine is really, really important. Now, if you do have that heavy clay that you haven't broken up really well, and if drainage is a problem in the spot that you want them, you can build them up a little bit. You could do a layer of compost or something on top of the existing soil, build those bulbs up and put them there, and then use a soil amendment. Well, things that are going to maybe help water flow a little bit better, peat moss, bark, uh, rotted sawdust, you don't want fresh sawdust, but sawdust that's been around a while. Any kind of compost, like I said, that'll help air movement as well. Vermiculite, vermiculite is going to help the soil as well. So think of that. If you don't have quite the ideal spot, you can certainly make it a little more friendly. Now, things not commonly known, okay? When we talk about bulbs, that encompasses a big category of things, but there's actually different kinds, right? There's true bulbs that we think of like daffodils, like lilies, things like that. And then there's a corm, which I know a lot of you have heard of a corm, a swollen base, and then it has the extensions up at the top. But that would be like a crocus that we put down, or gladiolas, they come from corms. And then you've got tubers, and there's different families of tubers, but that's the thing we think of that's like a longer rhizome-type piece. And canna lilies, potatoes, dahlias, even irises. So those are a little bit harder to divide. Oftentimes, When daffodils have small little uh, bulblets next to them, you can pull those apart. But rhizomes, that's when you really need a good, sharp pair of garden, a garden knife or garden scissors or something to be able to cut and split a rhizome. But you're certainly able to do that. And you can do that now if you have irises and things that need to be divided. Um, Honeybees, they like crocus. We were just talking about that, a corm, actually. They like crocus and snowdrops in the wintertime. So think about that as some bees stay around. Deer don't eat daffodils. That's something really interesting that I learned. You're always looking for deer-resistant plants in the landscape. They're in the amaryllis family, and there's just something in the science there that they don't like the taste of daffodils. Um, Pre-cooled bulbs. I know a lot of you do want to store your things in the refrigerator, maybe at about 60 degrees or something like that. But pre-cooled bulbs, it's only necessary if you're planting them in a warmer climate. Usually the grower, the breeder, will actually take care of that. That's not really too crucial in our area in 7B. A slow release, better than a fast-acting fertilizer, is something that you want. That way you're not having to stay on top of it too often. And don't do it at planting time. When you have those holes dug out, you really don't need the fertilizer in the hole at that time. And you can plant sequential bulbs in the same hole. I I learned that too. If you kind of want to... a sequence of bulbs, you know, once the daffodils are done, then the next thing's going to come, then the next thing, you can actually do those in the same hole. And uh, dip the bulb, this is interesting too, speaking of keeping the deer away, if you want to keep voles and squirrels away, because there are some bulbs that are pretty tasty. There's a couple that maybe taste like nuts, things like that, that voles and squirrels are going to dig out, really want to do. So you can dip bulbs in like an animal repellent and let the bulb dry really good before you put it in the ground, and that's going to kind of stay in there and keep that taste that's going to you know, deter the voles and the squirrels. So 
interesting things, basics of garden bulbs, maybe things you didn't know about them. 404-872-0750. Anything that you want to add or bulbs that you like or that you're planting this time of year, feel free to call. Going to take a break, check traffic and weather, and we'll be back with the top three things to do in the landscape this week. You're listening to Green and Growing on WSB. All the technology, all the different ways you can listen to WSB. It's amazing. So maybe you're just tuning in and you're listening on the app on your smartphone or you've got a radio by the bed. Good morning. Glad you are here. Coming up on 630, want to give you a weather update so you know how to plan the weekend. If you're going to an Apple Festival, if you're going to a Georgia Bulldogs football game, I don't know, if you're working out in the yard, the weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Morning rain likely in some areas, but afternoon sun, cooling temperatures, going to be breezy, a high peaking early at 72, and then temperatures are going to fall a little bit tomorrow, sunny high of 68, and then mostly sunny into the beginning of your work week. Green and Growing Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. Now, the whole idea of keeping this at like the top three is to not to overwhelm you. And I have five. I really couldn't narrow it down to three. So as we do this twice an hour, I'll just kind of rotate, rotate them in and out so we have them. But uh, number one, it's a good time to cut back perennials that have gone to seed. While you're at it, collect the seeds in paper envelopes. Don't put them in a plastic bag. They got to stay dry. Be sure to have a marker nearby. You know you're not going to remember the names of them as you're collecting them. If you have too many, share with a neighbor. Now, if you don't do this, if you don't cut the perennials back, that's okay too. They may look a little brown. They may look a little dead and scraggly, but the birds and things will feed off of them. So it's just as nice to leave them. Uh, Number two, you can raise your mower height one half inch and enjoy that last mowing of Bermuda or centipede or zoysia lawn. Put the mower away for the winter time. Make sure it's clean. And if my husband's listening to this, that's really important. Hose it off. Make sure it's clean before you put it in the shed. Because then when I pull it out in the spring, it's a hot mess. Okay. Number three. I'm a little late telling you this. And I'm upset that I didn't remember this a week or two ago. Because there's just so many things to do in October. It's my favorite month. But uh, you can start giving poinsettias 14 hours of darkness. If you are one of the lucky ones that actually had one survive from last Christmas and it's been outside or kicking around in your house, I don't know. It needs 14 hours of darkness beginning now, 10 hours of light. So you're dragging it in and out of a closet. You're taking a box off of it, putting the box back on. But it's got to have that little transition, six to 10 weeks for those bracts to turn red. And those are what we think of as the petals. You know, you think of poinsettia flowers as that pink or that white or that red color, but those are called bracts. And that's part of the leaves that actually just change color. So otherwise you're just going to have an all green poinsettia this Christmas, which that might be fine too. Most of you, I'm sure 93% of you probably buy new poinsettias every season and new mums every season. But, uh, you know, it's it's a challenge. If you just want to kind of prove to yourself what kind of gardener you are, you can certainly keep those alive. And I really try to overwinter my uh, mums and keep them alive. And right now they're, they're not doing too bad. They're kind of leggy, but, hey, they're still alive from last fall. So 404-872-0750, some of our favorite colorful fall annuals. Walter's got some great ideas for us, the Georgia Gardener. So Walter Reeves along in less than 10 minutes. Glad you're here. Thanks for tuning in to Green and Growing right here on WSB. Walter's Wondering. Walter's Wondering. 
The definitive questions and answers from WSB's OG Garden Guru, Walter Reeves. Some days, my transitions and my multitasking is right on, and today is not the day. <laughs> all, we want, all we need to say is go dogs. Go that's dogs. Go that's dogs. right. Oh, yeah, that's going to be a good game against Kentucky. Man, they're on a roll. Our Bulldogs are on a roll. Yeah, Do you want to say wow. what year you graduated from the University of Georgia? No. Okay. <laughs> you don't have to, but you did. You are one of their proud graduates. I, and I graduated I in 05, sure so that we always had that in common. We always had the Bulldogs in common. I think my mother graduated in 35, so that was a long time ago. Miss Francis, that is so cool. You know, I was in Fayetteville a couple weeks ago, and I should have told you because I would have seen your childhood home. I would have driven by the house. You could have seen all my, as we say, my stomping grounds down there. That's right. We do all sorts of crazy things. Well, I will tell you, not far off of, what was it, like Jeff Davis, North Jeff Davis or something, you get Uh on to 92 and I was on 92 yeah. for about 12 miles, but there were two roundabouts, like new, newly constructed roundabouts, one right after the other. Who do I talk to about that? That's kind of crazy. All of <laughs> us in South Bay County who are you know, online look at those roundabouts and say, what in the heck do we do with roundabouts in South Bay County? What, in the, what is the world coming to right? to have those sorry things there? It's becoming I a big, a big little city. Yeah. Harps Crossing, I guess, had some traffic problems there. I have not drivers enough to really know, but uh, man, roundabouts. Yeah, oh, sorry, I got to keep the uh, the world though. <laughs> I got to keep the traffic frustrations for Monday through Friday. This is gardening, no frustrations, nothing to complain about right. or mumble about. And today, I love right. talking to you about this because the brightest thing we see in the nurseries right now. What do you say? Mums, we got pansies, we got mm. uh, some other things. I think it's a fall color. Croton is a good fall color. We've got lots of fall color things in the nursery right now. I love it. I love it. So Croton, I keep one of those alive as a house plant, but they do look pretty cool yeah. outside, but they can't tolerate the cold because they're like Florida-ish. And so for sure. someone that doesn't know, Croton doesn't flower, but the big broad leaves are kind of thick, kind of waxy, and they're multiple different colors, right, Walter? Well, you can't say it doesn't flower, but the flowers are not very conspicuous. But the leaves are what you grow it for. The leaves are wonderful. Sort of orange and yellow and green and brown. All those bright, bright, bright colors of fall. And those pansies. So we could buy pansies by the tray and tray and tray. And where are we thinking is best to put those? Anywhere you got full sun and loose soil. That's the main thing. Loose soil for pansies. You've got to have it. If you don't have loose soil, they're not going to thrive. I mean, I just love how, you know, a month or two back, you saw a lot of Vinca in the mm, subdivision entrances and things like that, you know, uh-huh. begonias and uh-huh. stuff that just look so full and so compact, but beautiful because so much color. So now all those landscaping companies and, of course, <laughs> residents themselves are going to replace all of those with pansies. And if you crowd them in, yeah. boy, that color, there's nothing like it. If you follow one of the landscaping cruises to do the, the transition from the summer to the fall annuals in there, You'll see that the first thing they do is they pull all the summer plants out. Is they get a tiller and they till that bit up really, really good. You got to have that loose soil so those roots can spread out. And talk about one of our favorite and easiest to use, I would say, fertilizers for pansies. There are a lot of fertilizers, but only one or two that are really directed for pansies. And so ones that have nitrate, nitrogen in them, it's like one of the ingredients. Many times they'll say on the label, this is pansy food, or this is for the pansies in your landscape. But look for fertilizers that have nitrate, nitrogen, because they're the ones that can feed the plants in cold soil much better than the urea and uh, other forms of nitrogen. Okay, that's easy. So like Osmocote, is that a good one? Yeah, oh yeah, that's terrific. Osmocote is a time-release fertilizer, so it's always releasing just a little bit of fertilizer during the growing season. 
And for that reason, I don't have to remember, did I fertilize it? Did I not fertilize it? As long as I start out with Osmocote, I know it's been fertilized. Of course, don't own stock at Osmocote. I'm just saying it's a great fertilizer. It does a really good job for animals. And you know what I like, too, and I discovered, um, I don't know, three, four years ago when I go to Pike Nursery, the Cool Wave Pansies, and in the summertime, Cool Wave Petunias. So basically, yeah. that brand is just kind of the more trailing, overhangs the hanging basket, and yeah. that one's a lot of fun, too. And there's some spreading uh, pansies as well. And that's another thing. If you get a spreading type of plant, you can space them a little bit further apart. You still get some uh, you know, color later on in the season. But many of the pansies that are put in right now are the ones that don't spread too much. I mean, as you say, if you sort of stack them in there in the bed, you get an immediate color change. They're just immediately flowering. We talked about crotons a little bit. You know, let me go back to that because when I think of crotons, something that is a great pop of color out by the front door or whatever, but can't withstand uh-huh. the cold. Um, ornamental peppers, are we? Uh, those plants are beautiful now, but are we going to have to bring those inside too? Sure are. They don't stay in the cold weather either. But that's another thing. You say go dogs about peppers because they're red and black cool. peppers that you can grow. I love them. They're so beautiful. They're bright. And those colors, those colors are so interesting. But if you bring them inside, like the crotons, you can keep them for, oh, two or three months inside still looking great. So if you're going to someone's house or tailgate party today, you could pick up that yeah. ornamental pepper plant because it's cool. Sure, it's red and black. Sure, one of my favorites, Walter, is black pearl. And that one has like small yeah. purple leaves, but the berries become red and black. So that's like pretty cool color yeah. combo. And I'll mention this and for people who are wondering, yes, these are edible peppers. No, don't eat them. Oh. <laughs> you don't know what they're treated with at the nursery. And so I don't recommend you eat them yourself, but they are edible. They're the same peppers as you buy at the grocery store. Well, and kind of the same, too, when we think about, like, um, fall color and things that are in garden beds. Ornamental kale, uh-huh. you know, those nice, subtle yep. greens and purples. But ornamental kale, is that kind of like you probably wouldn't want to eat that either? Same deal. Yeah. You can't eat the edible plant, but you wouldn't want to eat it, I don't think. So next, fall plant, mums. Oh my goodness. Give us the best tips, though, when we just want to pick up all the mums, all different sizes, when we want to pick them up at Pike Nursery. Which yeah. ones do we select? What are we looking for? Ones that have a lot of tight, unopened buds. You want one that's going to open for you at your house and make your flowering uh, plant and front steps look good. So get the ones that are about half open or maybe just a quarter open. And they'll give you, know, you know what color they are, yellow or orange or whatever color the mom is. But then the most of the buds should be unopened so they flower and open up at your house. And then that's something that we keep up. The more and more that open, we need to kind of deadhead them, right? Yeah. A lot of them not too bad if you don't deadhead, but it looks a lot better if you go out there for 10 minutes, maybe just snap off all the old brown uh, flowers that are closed. And if you water it correctly, as you say, it sometimes... A little hard sometimes to keep them alive mm-hmm. because they have so many leaves and everything on them, I guess. But if you water them correctly, you can keep those mums alive, both on your steps in the pot, and then transfer them to the garden. And then uh, let them grow outside for the next year. You'll never get quite the same bushiness and beauty that you have at the nursery. But you can keep them alive, and you can at least have some flowering next year at this time. Yeah, I'll tell you. I mean, Pike Nursery, of course, wants you to come buy new mums every fall, which we want you to do <laughs> yeah, that, too. Course. But just to of prove course. to myself that I could do it, I did overwinter two mums from last fall. Kept them in pots, right. but during the really cold months, I just they were on the back deck, and I just pushed them close to the house, you know, so they had a little bit yeah. of something to shield them. 
um, didn't yeah. do any pruning or anything. Yeah, their leggy is all get out. They're never going to look bushy and compact anymore. But they're flowering mm-hmm. right now. One's white, one's yellow. But do you have any tips for pruning or when the best time of year to prune mums is? Or do you just say Man, to heck the person, with it? The person we need to ask is Mickey Gasway from Pike Nurse. Oh. She's retired now. Nurse, she had two dates. What was the date she used for pruning? I think it was July 4th. She pruned all of her chrysanthemums back to about six or ten inches, six or eight inches then. And then another time, I thought maybe Labor Day or so, she would put her back again. And then she would have, she had a much bushier plant, never again like the original. She pruned them twice, once in the sort of early to midsummer and one in late summer. Well, I know she's listening. So, Mickey, if that's not correct and Walter and I's memories don't serve us <laughs> okay. right, do call back. But so, like, around July 4th, and what do you say, September, Labor Day? Uh, Labor Day, about Labor Day, so maybe before Labor Day. But I remember she had two dates. That's funny. When she calls in to correct me, you can talk to her and just <laughs> ask her what she did. Yep, she always listens as she's getting ready to go into the West Cobb Pike Nursery. That's right. Well, before right. we run, any other favorite fall annuals of yours that we didn't mention? I'm always amazed at the color you get from just the kale and cabbage with no flowers on it at all. Yeah. And then like croton, the, the bang for your buck comes from the leaves, and that's great. Um, again, we talked about loose soil for the pansies. You, you don't want to skimp on the size of the pansy if we can put it in. You need to have a root system about the size of your fist mm. for pansies to bloom. And it's smaller than that, and it doesn't bloom very well. So it's the biggest pansy you can afford for pretty close together. It had a gorgeous, gorgeous fall and winter landscape. Yeah, I mean, definitely go ahead and follow Pike Nurseries on Instagram because they've got some beautiful pops of color, beautiful pictures that they've posted on their Instagram page of pansies and the pumpkins and all of that kind of thing. Next Saturday, Walter, I'm hoping to hold you over into the 23rd and we will talk about insects, but two in particular that you have just seen are wildly popular on your social media right now. What are they? (laughs) I will tell you all about them next Saturday. Oh, what a tease. What a tease. All right, my friend, we'll talk to you at 630 next Saturday morning as well. Have a great weekend. Go dogs. Go dogs. We'll be back. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. It's Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on 95.5 WSB. The news, weather, and traffic team will be here first thing Monday morning to help you get back to work on time and informed. Now back to Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca on 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's News and Talk. John, I'm digging it. Good music. Ready to get up on a Saturday and get on with your day. you got a lot to do today, so I'm glad you're up early. Thanks for listening. It's Ashley Frasca here. Heard uh, Monday through Friday, triple team traffic on Atlanta's morning news. If you listen in the afternoons, you don't hear me. But here I am in the host seat on a Saturday morning doing green and growing. Nowhere else I would rather be. So the weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. I might rather be outside, but I'm in a studio. Today you want to be outside. A little bit of morning rain and drizzle in some places maybe. A high of 72, which we're already really close to. And then a cold a cold front's coming in. So it's going to be breezy. Temperatures dropping throughout the day. It's going to get a little cooler, certainly, but finally start to feel like fall. And a sunny day tomorrow, high of 68. Green, green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. And when you know it, Mickey Gasaway called in because she heard Walter and I talking about her. So she's going to set the record straight on uh, trimming mums. If you're lucky enough to be able to keep them alive season to season, we'll do that in just a minute. But first, number one, take advantage of the mild weather during this period to plant or to transplant any of your cool season crops, broccoli, lettuce, mustard, onion, spinach, plant your second plantings of fall crops like collards, turnips, cabbage, and mustard. 
Number two, raise your mower height one half inch, and you can enjoy that last mowing of Bermuda, Centipede, or Zoysia lawn. You know they're ready to go dormant, and then put your lawnmower away to rest for the winter. And number three, you can plant cover crops and empty vegetable beds to increase the nitrogen and the biomass in the soil. And this is for a large area, pretty productive. If you have a large space that you're just not going to be able to get vegetables in again, consider maybe red clover or buckwheat or something like that. All right, so there is a pretty comprehensive list. 404-872-0750. Mickey, good morning. Good morning, Ashley. How are you? Well, so I said like, so your ears were burning, but I think that's when you don't know someone's talking about you, but you clearly knew, Walter and I. I did. I heard you. I always listen. So I'm getting ready to go to work. I had my huge mums from Pike Nursery last fall. I had the yellow and I had the white and didn't do much to them over the summer. I didn't keep them in direct sun, but I kept them on the back deck, kept them watered. They were pretty happy. Um, and they're never going to be as compact as when we buy them, you know, in the nursery. But now, I mean, they're blooming and they're great, but they're leggy. They're going all over the place and stuff. So I'm not going to cut them now. They've got <laughs> blooms on them. But what do you do so that they don't look that crazy in the fall? Well, what I do, to begin with, the reason they're so short is because they're truth treated with growth regulators oh. to keep them short like that. And so when you let them grow longer, then they do what they naturally do. And uh, I've got mine. I just plant them. I've got a place where I don't care what they look like too much, uh, at, you know, up close. But at a distance, they look beautiful. And they look natural in the yard when they're planted like that. And those are the ones, if I have to do a – and I'm not much of a flower ranger, honestly. But uh, <laughs> mums look pretty. You just cut them off and stick them in the vase. And those are perfect for that. Well, I can and do so that I with have, um... I don't have to go to the, I don't have to go somewhere and buy mums to put in a vase. Well, I could I do that with some phone. zinnias. I still have some zinnias, believe it or not, that look oh, pretty sure. good. That'd be a good little arrangement. Sure. Okay. And I, can I mention one more thing that yes. I love with my mom, and that is heuchera. Oh, yeah. The, the, I, I've got, I, this year I took my, I've got some, like, the ones with a liner, the hanging baskets with a liner, I've got them off a, a, a rail, and um, I've got my, the kind of the goldy yellow um pansies with the dark centers and I've, with those I've got the it's called Fire Chief Heuchera I can't rem- believe I remember the name of it but yeah. it is and it's kind of an orangey color and it looks so good together and normally it needs to be a little tiny bit more shade but it does fine in the winter time so that's and coral so, and it'll bells, be pretty right? all winter long it'll look good all winter and coral bells are going to be perennials for us they're going to come back yes Yes, nice. they will. Oh, that's right. great. Now, I and have another, another thing. I, I got to think of okay, one more thing to go in there, and that is that red rooster sedge. It's kind of a kind of I, I don't care for it in the summertime as much. It's perennial, hmm. but it looks kind of dead. But in the winter, it's beautiful. It's a, like a grassy thing, and it goes in there, too. Oh, cool. Okay, nice. Great. You'll have to post pictures of that on the face on your Facebook page, and I'll share it. Okay. So folks Sounds can like see plan. what you're talking about. So let me ask you one more thing. Um, I've okay. only got about a minute and a half here. Okay. I started Go. off the show trying to, you know, educate a little bit about um, spring flowering bulbs, planting those now, and really getting into the weeds about it with f- what folks need to know. One thing mm-hmm. I failed to mention, which I assume people are going to read the, the labels when they plant them, <laughs> but what's a general rule of thumb that you would follow for planting bulbs now as far as spacing goes? I just I said them as close as I want to. I don't plant them real close, but I do plant. Did you put? Did you say something about planting them three times the bulb down? There you go. If you measure That's... the height of if you measure the height of the bulb from the bottom to the point. If you do three times, that how 
how far they need to be down. So that seems like that would be really deep. But I mean, bulb size, you're not talking about bulbs that are really big. No, what, no. Well, yeah, yeah, Depends. they're pretty. Yeah, they do good for me. And, is and that, I always plant some under some pansies, too. Is that and we have the ones where you can buy them. Under the pay, already planted under the pansies, and you just plant the whole thing, and it has bulbs come out of it. So, as far as I'm planting sorry. depth, that's really good. And does that go same for rhizomes and tubers too? Do you kind of plant them? Now, some of those you plant more shallow. Okay, you know, so it depends on what they are. But for true bulbs mm-hmm. like tulips and hyacinths and daffodils. Um, Daffodils, yeah. three times okay. down. Well, Mickey, I'm right. glad you checked in. Thank you so much, and you have a great productive day out there in West Cobb. Tell everyone to say hello. I'll do it. All right, See good to soon. hear from you. And don't forget, when you go to Pike Nursery, all you can carry medium size orange pumpkins for twenty nine ninety nine. If Dad, you're big and strong, and you want to make the kids just laugh and make their day, go out to the nursery today with your family, and just that's so fun to participate in. Just don't throw out your back. Please be very, very careful. All right, coming up, 404-872-0750. That's the number. I'm going to be speaking with a volunteer for Trees Atlanta that I recently met, Glenn Legacki. Talk to us about projects they're working on in the city that are going to protect our desired trees and landscapes. And he comes with great advice on removing invasives, invasive plants, invasive vines. If you're beating your head against the wall about privet or English ivy, we have help for you next. It's WSB. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.